Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, we are in the heart of season 11, and this has been so fun for me to go through. In today's episode, I'm really excited to bring back a guest that we had on about a year ago when we were going through our series on the different phases of a career. And we interviewed Mark Stoner last year during our peak performer section of the season. And I wanted to bring him back again because there was so much amazing feedback the last time that we had him on. In this conversation today, I wanted to talk to him about training, and the reason why is I sat through a class that he taught in San Antonio about six months ago, and it was a class about how he organizes the training within his company and how there's a set curriculum for each different position. And I think that this is a major, major need in our industry. And we, we get into it in depth in the conversation, but I feel like for the companies that are able to figure out how they train systematically and run people through the system to make them better than they were when they came in. There's something really, really good that happens when you can actually map that out in a company. And so I wanted to bring Mark on to talk about how he does this specifically at Ashbusters with the way that they have scaled. And so we go all in on this. And so you know, for you listening to this, it's it's the heart of the busy season right now. And training might be the last thing on your mind. But I'm telling you, like, if you're feeling overwhelmed and, and tired, I just want you to think about, like, what if you had someone at your side that could share the load? It's so easy to think, well, yeah, but they can't quite do it like me. I mean, there's there's no one that, that, that can do it the way that I can. So I have to shoulder everything. And really, that's that's a savior complex that, that that we have to get over. There are other people that can help us carry the load if we can train them effectively. And so in this conversation, we dive really, really deep on it. Now, with that said, I'm going to jump out of the way so that you can hear this conversation. I'll share some more of my thoughts on the back end. Joining me from Nashville, Tennessee, is a return guest to the show. He's the owner of Ashbusters Chimney Service and partner at Surefire Training Academy. I'm here today with Mark Stoner. Mark, how you doing? I'm fantastic, Tim. Thank you so much for inviting me on, on your show. It's always an honor. Yeah, I mean, man, I'm I'm excited that you're here, and and I'm not joking, Mark. Um, your episode that we recorded last year um, has been like one of the top downloaded episodes. Um, I had an event that uh, I brought in Tim Rethlake to come and, and speak at, and Tim was just a, a major influence and mentor in my life, and he told everybody at the event, he's like, this episode that Tim did with Mark Stoner, I have forwarded to more executives at HHT and more customers than any other episode of your podcast, and uh, oh, so he had really high praise for it, so, so thanks for coming back. Man, we're a good team. I got to tell you, every time we do something together, uh, to me, I always learn a lot, so much from you, and, and and we're just mutually beneficial to talk to each other. So yeah. it's an honor. Thank I you. I agree, man. I agree. Well, hey, so I wanted to talk specifically about about training, and um, when I when I first was introduced to you, it was on Taylor and Carter's Blue Collar Proud podcast that they did years ago through Spark Marketer. And I remember listening to this guy out of, out of, you know, Nashville telling this story about 
how his business started and it got to a point, but then he got hurt and had to rebuild it. Um, I, I'd love to have you tell this story about like, everybody thinks that they're invincible. Everybody thinks they're going to live forever. And at some point in your life, you realize that's not true. And so you got to decide, am I okay with my business to use your yeah. language, just being the unicycle where when I go down, it goes down or do I want to build something that's more robust, that doesn't rely on me always being on the treadmill? And uh, one's not right, one's not wrong, but they are different. And I'd, I'd love to maybe just have you tell your story, because I actually haven't heard it firsthand. Okay, well, sure. Uh, you know, it's a funny, it's an interesting story. You know, you can always tie everything. When you look backwards, you can tie it all together. When you're going through it, you can't really tell if the next step is the right step. But looking back, you can you can see clearly. So, you know, my story was basically I started a chimney sweep company because I was a musician like you. And, we, and I want to do something on the side and I thought I could do it. And there was really no big chimney companies and nobody had employees. You just kind of did the work. You swept chimneys. For 17 years, I did that by myself, and I did not know that it could actually be a true business. There were some other people doing it, but I didn't have good connectivity. I didn't see that other people were doing this. And I was working by myself one day, and I, which I did a lot. Sometimes I would have a helper that would come hold the ladders or help me with something. But, you know, no, it was just a one-man operation. And I had a safety device, a ridge hook that was over top of a metal, I was on a metal roof, and there's a real rickety ridge vent on top of that that my my uh, hook was in and it pulled that off and down i go down off of a 30 foot i've had a 30 foot drop off a metal roof and i hit the ground and i was seriously hurt i could just tell how bad i was hurt i don't know if you've ever been hurt bad but you can just tell you're kind of broken and um I knew I was hurt. And so that set me on a journey of recovery for one Two, no money was coming in. Uh, I was on the couch. I had to have surgeries on my legs. Uh, I had a hard recovery. I also was just, again, now scared to get on the ladder and, and everything was kind of crumbling around me. At that time, I'm like, maybe this is a sign I should be out of this business. Maybe this is a big God smack. And, and I has a message from God saying, you should do something else. Here's your warning. But then I tried to sell my one-man operation and nobody wanted to buy it because mm. I, I had all the keys to the castle. I knew all of the tricks and nobody wanted to buy my job, right? It's a Michael Gerber thing, you know, build a business, not a job. I had built a job and um, I did not know that. So then I learned, I, 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 I tried to sell my business and nobody wanted to buy it. So when nobody wanted to buy it, I couldn't believe it. I worked 17 years. I thought I had a ton of value in this business. I was busy, phone rang off the hook. Everybody knew my name. I did good work. Surely it's worth one times gross is what I thought. I was grossing about 150,000 or I thought I'd get $170,000 for 17 years worth of work. <laughs> Nobody wanted to buy it. Nobody. I put it out there, silence. Somebody offered me $10,000 for my equipment and my call list. I'm like, what? I've worked 17 years. I think I've got a retirement. I got a nest egg going here. When I'm ready to pull the trigger, I'm going to get all this money. Nobody wanted to buy it. I'm like, what? What a mistake. I'm 35 years old. I've been doing it since I was 18. I, I've, I've made a huge business miscalculation. 
So I happened to read a magazine, sweeping magazine at the time, had Jim Brewer in there. He had 10 trucks. He's scuba diving, he's parachuting, he's he's a paramedic, he's living this life, and he's got a chimney thing on the side with a showroom and and chimney guys. I'm like, he helped write the codes. I'm like, wow, what a life. I didn't know him at the time. Fast forward, I realized you could one build a business. And two, I had come from a family of nothing but this one-man operation businesses. My mom was an accountant. She built a one-person operation. When she got sick, the business collapsed. My brother-in-law built a framing uh, carpentry business. He smashed his hand in an accident, took a medicine, got vertigo, business collapsed. My dad, insurance agent, got fired, business collapsed. I had come from this miss, this one-man operation family, and every time in my somebody had had something happen to him, and the plan just disintegrated in front of him. And then I realized I felt like I got a warning. You've been warned. This one-man operation thing doesn't work like you think it does. You get sick, get hurt, crisis. Almost nobody makes it to 65 and checks the box, and then they got all the money. Like, it doesn't work that way. I was so vulnerable, and I just got a little hint of that, of then how to build a business. Now, that's a whole other mindset, but that's basically the 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 accident that started making me realize I could build a business. And then when I realized I needed to start a business, that's when training became super important because I built a crappy business without training it. So that's the, that's yeah. the kind of conversion. Yeah, man. And like, I can just imagine, I mean, I've, I've been on those roofs before and I just, I just imagine, man, the restraint breaks. And I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel the pain. Um, that you well, literally there. the guy was saying, he was saying, be careful. I said, I'm being careful. Like, being careful and an accident sometimes do not like yeah. you can be as careful as you want an accident still comes. And so, yeah, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. So that was, that was the moment for you. And, you know, so people, people now look at Mark Stoner and see all these trucks and all these ventures that you're doing, but it started because you made a shift where one day everything was different and, and it doesn't, it doesn't come overnight. You know, I mean, what, it's been 15 years since then. It's been a while. Yeah. And, and it doesn't come overnight but you but you have adopted this training mentality that like i that i have seen scale and and i actually took a class of yours last year in san antonio at the ubg show and you talked about how most of our industry trains and frankly how most of our industry trains the wrong way and i guess i'd love i'd love for you to kind of tell that that bit of your of your class right here Sure. So everybody starts off kind of with this almost the same training model, which is I know what I'm doing. Let me train. If I'm going to try to grow this, let me train another guy of how to do it like I do it. And then we call it big dog, little dog training. So the big dog teaches the little dog and then he goes up and he gets to run a van. And it's not the same as the owner, but it's pretty close. And then you train another guy and he comes up and then he quits you and starts his own business. And then you train another guy and he doesn't work out. And then, but you keep training real close to you, the owner. And it's pretty good until then the guy you trained trains another guy. Okay. Now it's not quite the same as you, the owner, and it's a little bit different and the quality starts to wane and you, problems start to creep up. And then the tragedy is when that guy who wasn't that great trains another guy. 
Now you're a couple generations away from the owner who was probably the best. And now your training and your company has degraded in a way that sometimes is almost unrecognizable. And that happened to me as I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to train people. I'm going to get employees. I'm going to build a real business. I did not have a training model in place. Once it got a couple uh, iterations away from Mark Stoner, it was not good at all. And I literally crashed the business back in 2008. I lost everything. I had bad quality. I didn't know my numbers. I had a drug problem inside my company because I, I didn't do drug testing and all that stuff. And I had all these issues that I thought enough growth would kind of cover up. And then it all came crashing down when the housing market rolled back for a second. And I crashed back down to working by myself one more time on the unicycle. That is the very beginning of, wow, I have to, I can't do big dog, dog, little dog training and really at scale. And if you look at the HVAC companies, the big companies that are really good at growing, they have a true training process. You can plug and play people into positions. You're not training a person for Jim's position. You're training a technician's position. And if Jim is out, then Joe can come in. You can plug people into positions instead of a lot of times we make the positions around the person instead of around the position needed. And that's what I kind of developed. And you heard me talk about, and yeah. we can talk about today about what that really looks like. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, like, for me in in the industry big dog little train sorry big dog little dog is the only training that i ever had as an installer and actually even as a salesperson too and actually even as a manager that was the only training that i that i have and there were parts of it that were really good but again with that big dog little dog model like well there's a lot of little dogs that don't get it and there's a lot of little yeah. dogs that wash out when if there would have been more intentional structure to the training and purpose and giving them vision for what their job could be as opposed to just well hey i turned the wrench like this you got to learn to turn the wrench like this it it yeah. uh yeah it could be a lot more but i i have seen companies where it's like even in small businesses and in, in, in retail showrooms where say that the the owner no longer does all of the selling or the owner is out one day and so they have the other salesperson train the new hire but the other salesperson is not a good salesperson and they've got bad habits or they wake up hungover and so they're frustrated at work all day. Like I've seen this so many times. Um, what do you what do you do now? So like what what is the right way to train that you have found? It it really all came crashing down to me when my son had he from a little kid he'd helped us in the summertime and he always helped us in the summertime he ran with my guys when he was out of school he even when he was in college going through college he ran with my guys well when he came out of college got a degree he didn't quite get a job he's like well i'll just be a chimney sweep for a while till i find something i'll get certified and i'll start running my own truck i'm like gosh he's been with us for six years he's and let's just put him out in a truck total disaster this my kid was terrible and I'm like, why are you making all these mistakes? He goes, dad, you never really trained me. Your guys always had me handing them tools and picking up job sites and setting up ladders and tearing stuff down and waiting in the van. And I never really learned why we do stuff. I never really learned how to do it because they weren't really interested in training me. And so you put me out here and I don't really know what I'm doing. I can say some things and do some things, but I really don't know all the reasons. He said, you need... A, a program, an apprenticeship program that we go through and we learn and check the boxes that we know what the heck we're doing. I'm like, oh my God, you're so right. And so that was the beginning of the Surefire training. He, he had built an apprenticeship program for us. 
And then when I talked to Jim Brewer, I'm like, we've got to have some kind of, and Jim Brewer wanted to really download all of his information yeah. onto a platform. So we started this program, but what happened was my people needed to all go to the same source for the information, at least to start. Everybody starts at the exact same source, not big dog, little dog, and it's watered down. We start from the original source and we have a much better way of understanding. And you've gone through the program and you check the boxes that you understand what we're doing. You understand what the manufacturer says to do, what we say to do as Ashbusters, what the codes say. Um, and then you've started at the point. Now, this is not perfect because you need hands. I need a bunch of stuff. But man, all of a sudden, my technician started speaking chimney so much faster. Yeah, I remember one guy said, man, I've been here four months. When will I really know what we're doing? I really don't know what we're still doing. I'm like, oh, a couple more months. You'll like, no. Now you go through our apprenticeship program. And when you start, you can see 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. These guys speak chimney really well. And it's yeah. due to a formula and a process, an apprenticeship program, a vision of a career path. All those things add up to a much smarter company. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh I, I haven't done this on the installation side, but a similar thing for me, as, uh, this is going back maybe 10 years ago or so as a sales manager, I was a, a semi-successful salesperson myself, but I was getting busier and busier. And I hired somebody who worked kind of as an assistant for me. And I was actually going to get paid a small percentage of whatever my assistant brought in. And as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, okay, well, if I can like teach the assistant to do a lot of the sales, like I can actually be working even when I'm not there sometimes, you know? And like, and that was the start of it. And, and, uh, and, and it worked out really, really well where like this assistant was able eventually to blossom into a full-blown salesperson and have a, have a great career. And then I was able to get like a small portion of that as well. And, 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 and when I started looking at training sales, the same way that you looked at training installers, I realized that there are steps to a sales process and yeah. there's actually a sales philosophy of how we want to approach sales, customer service, problem customers, our time management, our inbox. And that if I could put together a curriculum that was a combination of, you know, like videos that you watch with like hands-on practice that you could actually get a salesperson within six weeks that was pretty effective. Now it might take two years for the for them to fully develop. I don't doubt that for a second. But after six weeks, they can start to be effective with the basics. And the hardest thing in the world was was developing the curriculum for the first time. But once yes. I did once I did that, I had it. And I could just make slight modifications and it just got better and better and better. And it allowed me to train a lot of salespeople and like they didn't all work out, but a lot of them did. And it yeah. gave us a level of consistency that we never would have had if me being stretched between multiple showrooms was like, okay, just go follow, you know, Johnny for the next couple of days. It, it never would have happened. Yeah. The hardest part, like you said, is doing the important, not urgent work, which is developing the curriculum. We're all so busy. We don't have time to do it. We don't know what to do. And so that was the very hard part at the beginning. And that's why I surefire not to be a plug for that, but we, we realized a lot of people could use what we've already developed and, and get themselves, you know, leapfrog forward 
into a process. And if you, you know, like a lot of us, you know, we're right now copying your sales process. You develop this amazing seven step process and we are, we are on it, man. We are on that <laughs> like dog on the bone because it works and you, it took you, it's so simple, but it took you a while to develop that, right? That's not yeah. just, oh, it's seven steps. You took all these things and boiled it down to fine gravy as my friend, John Meredith says. Well, that's what we did with with chimney training. We boiled it down to the things you got to know in this order will give you the best result at the end. And, and you're right, building this, the platform. But then secondly is using it. You've shown me your seven steps for a long time. We finally started doing it. <laughs> it's the same thing with our program. You can buy it, but if you don't have a system to make people use it, just like a gym membership, you yeah. get no result from it. So you've got, it's one more step. It's having it and then really making sure you have your people do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay, let's, let's dive into this. So, so I, uh, I know enough to be dangerous about Surefire, but, but I'd love for you to kind of fill me in more. So you guys use this software program to, manage your training. And from my understanding, there's all kinds of videos and courses that are pre-baked into it, but essentially yep. you can use this program to like literally develop a curriculum for like, what's the path for an installer or service right. tech. Can you talk about like in your company in Ashbusters, like what are the different paths that you have set up within sure. it? Yeah. So first of all, how, what we built was the first step was an apprenticeship program for technicians. That was step one. So it starts with day one to day 30. When you sign in with our company, we've got this program that you have 30 days to complete all these videos and these quizzes. It's basic. How do you, you know, being safe? How do you drive up to the house? How do you, you know, prepare yourself to come in the house? How do you greet the customer? Real basic stuff. Then in some safety, a lot of safety stuff, because we want them to learn safety early. It's in, again, baked into the cake. It's not at the end. Yeah, put your helmet on. It's yeah. like safety, safety, safety. Then the next time, 31 to 60 days is the next step. And then 61 to 90 and then 91 to 120. During the, that process, for me, you have to complete them on time or one, you don't get a raise to the next level. There also has financial incentives. And then at the end, you pop out, you take the quiz and you pass some other field tests. And then you can run a truck for us after about a year apprenticeship program. But basically... It's a lot at first. We we put so much into you right off the bat because here's the other thing. If they won't do my training, they probably won't do my paperwork right. They probably won't do all the pictures right. They won't do my sales process right. If they don't come in early, hot and hungry to, to, to do this and they got excuses and they don't get on board quickly, I know they just can't stay working for me. But so that's step one. But then we have a basically a career path. You know, when you become a truck runner, you do that for a couple of years, then you become you can become a lead technician. So you lead a division, then you can be and in five to seven years, you can become a manager of a division. Then we have upper management that comes completely out of the field and manages either divisions or branch offices or whatever. So there's basically four to five career path steps when you come to work for me that we can show you. Now, everybody might not have that, but the key is to show people that you don't just become a chimney sweep or a sales guy in the showroom and that's the end of it. Like you've got to have something that they can try to achieve. And I think our training platform through a real open process that you can, we put stuff on there, but it's hundreds of courses 
50 to 60 different teachers, uh, just really a world of technical training, gas training, installation, sales training, biz, how to run a business, HR, office training. So then we we stepped it up so the office has a path, uh, CSRs have a path, yeah. our sales guys have a path, the gas technicians have a path. So we have all these paths. And I say that because if you, not that, again, not promoting Surefire, but if you want us to help you, we'll build these paths for you. We'll pick yeah. all the classes, you build them out. Or like you said, go in there and build your own thing. We've kind of got all the recipes sitting on the shelf and you can kind of plug and plug and play your, your, you know, your, your barbecue. But, yeah. um, also, you can upload your own. If you've got training from these things that you've bought or made, YouTube's, whatever, you can upload all your links inside of Surefire. So then it's an aggregator of education for your company. So you can plug in stuff that you do, stuff that we do, stuff that other people do. And so everything's in one place. It's not in Dropboxes or Google Files and yeah. you're trying to find them and you don't know if they watched them or tested on them. Yeah. And yeah. We've, we've really gotten a lot of uh, industry uh, acceptance and understanding that of how it works. And man, the best companies are the best trained companies. That's all yeah. there is to it. The best, the ones that focus on training the most are, are running the best. We'll get back to our conversation with Mark Stoner in just one second. Hey, if you have been listening to the Firetime podcast this entire season, you know that we've been diving deep on the seven-step sales process. And if you're looking for more ways to get yourself and your team plugged into the things that we're talking about, you have to check out the Firetime magazine. This is a digital magazine that we release every single month, and it includes articles from folks all over North America in all different positions of our industry, writing within their area of expertise to share it with you. Now, this is released through our app. You can download the Firetime magazine, both in the Apple App Store, as well as Google Play for Android devices. But you can also subscribe via email. If you go to itsfiretime.com slash subscribe, you can subscribe yourself and anybody else on your team, and we'll email them every single month when a new issue comes out. Now, best of all, when each new issue comes out, we release most of the articles in an audio format as well, so you can listen to it on the go. Now, that's available through our sister podcast, the Firetime Magazine Podcast, and you can subscribe to that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So if you want to take your team to the next level and bring them along with everything you've been learning, you've got to sign them up for the Firetime magazine. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I mean, I'm just, I'm envisioning what you're describing, right? So you have a curriculum. If you just think about that, an installation apprentice, what do you want them to know in their first 30 days? Well, you, you know, like you said, you, you want them to know how to greet a customer. Well, okay, like there probably needs to be a 30-minute video on like how do you greet a customer? What are the right. things to pay attention to when you park the car, you know, in the road or in the driveway and get out of it? Like, and it sounds like a lot of that is pre-made for you. Like you can kind of plug and play this stuff, but you could also just make your own. And I'm just imagining, you know, if you were to say, what do I want an apprentice to know in the first 30 days? If you took just 10 minutes with a pen and a napkin, you could you could scribe that out. And then just yeah. to be able to have a system that has a bunch of a bunch of courses already, you could plug and play even as a temporary measure until you can film the content that, that you want specifically for your company. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I never, some I, of our some of the programs have no video. It's literally just what you said. 
you just type it out and then you make a couple of check boxes for quizzes and you don't have to film a video, but you hit on something that I think a lot of people, there's been a step in technology. A lot of people used to write standard operating procedures. They write them all out. They'd be in a book, they'd sit on the shelf. And yeah, we did that exercise five years ago, but it's not a new living document that everybody yeah. knows. If you'll video your standard operating procedures, put it on a platform where you know if people watch or didn't, or you can reassign it to them and they can see on their phone, I can watch how Tim says to greet the customer at the door again, or yeah. you, need a re you have a problem, send them back to SOP, they watch it, you can verify it. Like there's another level of technology that has stepped in and makes it so easy to put everything on a, on their phone or their iPad right in front of them at any time. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so, so you've got this platform where you can have specific curriculum for technicians versus a CSR versus a, a manager um, for installers and technicians specifically. How do you combine the classroom work? And by classroom work, I mean, watching the video, reading the document, taking the test with the field work of actually doing it. How do you combine those two? Yeah. So that's the next super challenging part that we work through. And we've got a handful of it's almost though this this kind of comes out of the surefire into the way you do it we can show you a lot of that but some of it is how the manufacturer says and saw it yep. some of your specific things that you do as a company so in that we have a checklist of about 80 different things that you would need the technician would need to look at and go through and then have somebody sign off that yes they can do the crown repair yeah. yes they can do Yes, they've installed five prefab units and yep. 10 direct vent units and that we don't have that totally worked out, but we're working on it. Yep. That is the, the next step of online to what you have developed. The problem with that is, is like it, it's how you individually do it. Like it'd be it's almost an impossible task to go through all the manufacturers, how they install everything, but some basics. Yeah. of reading the manual, you know, when do you do that, prep the job, you know, those kind of things are, we're working on those. Um, and that is the next step. The main thing is, what do you want your people to know and have that written down? And, and yeah. I don't know if you know Mike Fazy, um out of California. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. he had one of the most complete uh, field operations checklists I'd ever seen. And we adopted some of his uh, but basically you got to create what you want them to know, how many times yeah. they got to do it before they can run a truck. Yep. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, it, I've heard it called like the merit badge system, right? So, you know, if you're training someone who's who's a fireplace installer, like they've got to do seven wood stove with a ceiling support box. And then they need to be able to do five wood stoves with a round ceiling support clamp versus a support yes. box. And, and I love what you said about signing off on it, because I think that this is where it gets to be less scientific and more of an art project, but it can still be guided by, by boundaries. So if you have really tight installation paperwork of what is required and you've got this merit badge system where like, Hey, as an apprentice, like you got to get your wood stove badge. And so that means that you've got to do these seven jobs. Five of like them have that. to have a ceiling support box and two of them can have a round support. Um, you need to be able to have a one story and a two story and, and each one's got to be signed off by someone at some level yeah. of the company. So it's kind of a big dog, little dog, except that it's, it, it, it's bound by, you have to fill out this installation paperwork. You have to take these pictures. It has to be yeah. signed off by someone at this level. And then our installation supervisor is going to review this. So it's like, it's a combination of that art and the science. The science is what you're doing in the classroom. The art is going to be you applying it in, in real time. 
I like that the badge idea of, the, of that and somebody witnessed you doing it, you know, or, you know, or you were on the job, you, you know, you witnessed two of them, you helped on two of them and yes. you were the lead on two of them, you yeah. know, kind of a, a beginner, middle and end, you were the lead and that, you know, the other guy signs off on them. To me, that's the ultimate of the best chance you have at running a really good company that does really good work and grows. Like it's yeah. not that hard to have a great small company that that's actually not hard, you know, have two, three trucks and you can stay tight and small. The challenge is, and it's our whole industry challenge because more people need us. You've seen how long these backlogs are yep. and yep. we're not doing a good job of, of really training our trade bigger so that we can handle people faster. We can do good follow-up services, good warranty work, good annual services agreements, yeah. and really run this like a better business. And the, if you look at one thing those those big companies do, they have a much better training and onboarding process than almost anybody in the hearth or chimney world has. Yeah, you know, That's I, go. I, I talked to, to a, a guy that, that runs a local Chick-fil-A franchise in, in my city, and we go to church together, and he was saying that uh, people need three things. They need a purpose, a paycheck, and a plan. And I think that um, you are really honing in on the plan. Like, they've got to know what is next for me. And I, I think that, again, you know, people may not stay with you for 20 years, but if they know that if I stay, it could, it could continue to be really, really good, they're going to stay longer than if there's, if there's no path forward. How do you do that in your company? Like, like, how do you, is that, yeah. How do you do that? Well, they, it is, you know, everybody won't stay this last couple of years. We probably had more turnover than we ever have. Plus our standards are higher. Like mm -hmm. we don't put up with a lot of crap. Yep. We want you to be honored. We want you to want to, and it's an honor to work with us and for us and be excited. And when that doesn't happen or click, you're probably not right for us. So we've gotten a little more, um, I don't know, we're a little more picky on the people that we will, we don't carry a lot of people. You better carry yourself, you know, yeah. Yeah. but, um, but there is a path. The main thing people see us do is one, we're trying to always grow. Growth is always on the table. And when a lot of people love, you know, the one thing employees love is a company that they can see progress. Progress is very attractive. The company moving forward, growing, opening new locations, adding, you know, positions inside the company, adding trucks, adding services or adding, uh, you know, just growing, seeing progress. To me, that's the number one thing that people, they want to be well paid, but the progress of the company, if the company is stale or rolling backwards, it gets freaky and, and people don't like it. So that, that's the number one thing we do is progress and you can be part of it. Show us that you're, you do this and then we'll give you something else. We, we always pick out, you know, the cream that rises to the top yep. and then we give them more to do. And, and then we see how you do with it. And, and you've met some of my leaders yeah. and oh, yeah. they have just They've proven themselves and they get the next step. And uh, but they know that me as a CEO, my main thing is to take care of my people. And the, one of the ways I show them is what we're doing next. The vision of the company and what's in it for them, where we're going is one of the best things. We, we also won top workplace in Tennessee for the last five years in a row. Um, that is voted on by my employees on the culture of where we are, what we're doing, and what you believe in the company. And 
for me, that's the best award we could ever win is, is that culture award. And if you don't believe culture, you can go through everything. If you can develop a good culture and culture comes from that vision that's set for that guy, uh, that girl, and they believe they can do it. And they believe their, their future is better with you than without you. The moment they believe they have a better future somewhere else, you've lost them and you better be good at identifying that. And uh, that's to me, I think one of our strengths is, showing that we are we're in it for the employees and the growth of the company yeah that's great yeah i mean i'm just i'm just envisioning so you've got this you've got this training platform in surefire so you've got your curriculum nailed out so when someone's hired as a csr you've got their their courses um when someone gets a promotion to become a manager now there could be a new suite of courses for them to take somebody is interested in being a manager but they're not quite ready well hey let's give you this curriculum of just becoming a better business person and this is going to be outside of your technician responsibilities but this is the path to give you what you need you know that that seems just like a no-brainer to me and i'm thinking about so many hearth retailers in our industry that that might be you know they're getting older and older and they're thinking about how can i pass down what i have you have to you have to document it you've got to get a system like this and 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 again like it's okay to start with stuff that like you didn't do there's a lot of really smart people that have recorded a bunch of classes like start there but but i would put the challenge on you that you know our industry um our industry needs you like if, if if you have have created this legacy for years and years and years uh, what a shame not to document it in a training process that you can use for the next generation. It, it really, it doesn't take that long to document it. Honestly, if if you would take a day and have somebody sit in a room with a camera and you, and you pick 20 topics that you want to talk about, especially as the owner or, you know, your thought on how you handle customers, your thoughts on how you do stuff. Literally in just a couple of days, like you're doing with your podcast, you're knocking through them and you're making six months of work. You're also yep. making a legacy that people can reach back and know what Tim thought for 10 years down the road. If these owners would just take a minute and step back with a camera and have a list of 10 to 20 topics, man, you could get a lot done. If you did that once every six months or once a year, give it a few years, you'll have a hundred topics on how yep. you believe like that's all that's all you really that's a that's a great thing to do and set your company up for success yeah you know that it's lazy honestly not to do it <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just yeah being late. yeah it is you know? and it's just like when you're always stuck in the grind of just taking another punch and another punch and another punch and you never make the space to say how can i get above this well you're just going to keep jumping back into the ring and getting hit but at some point you've got to say enough is enough like and you know, you're never going to fully get out of the ring, but you can you can take moments out of it, right? You can you can take a moment out of the ring to document some of this stuff. And now, when you jump back in, you got two people by your side, right? You're not just swinging it out by yourself. The better you get at this, the more freedom you ultimately have. If you will take this time out and do it, it creates so much more freedom and space in the future. And like I don't know, like uh, there's a peacefulness about running the business that um it that comes with that too because you've done what you you know you need to do everybody listens to this podcast i guarantee you they know what we're saying is true it's just are you willing to do something about it you know what tim and i are talking about if you run a business you know we're a thousand percent right 
are you willing to do something about it? That's the thing that's the big difference in the people who really succeed and have businesses that people like, wow, that's a great business. And the people who just struggle and hate business and hate employees and wish they never had it. You know, there's, that, that's the that's the difference. What are you willing to do about it? Man, that's so good. I wrote that down as you said it. Are you willing to do something about it? That's awesome. Hey, Mark, so for, for folks who are thinking about Surefire, where can they get in touch with what with what that program offers? Well, yeah, thanks for asking. The easiest thing is to is to try to get a demo. We will we have a customer service person, Brianna. She uh it's surefire.academy. You can sit request a demo and she will um she will walk through, she'll show you my apprenticeship program. If you like it and you want to do something like it, she'll set it up for you just like mine. Or if you just work with her for an hour and, and see what your goals are, she will build out this platform for you and show you how to use it. Plus, you know, onboarding anything is the first, you know, you need help right off the bat. How do I sign on? Oh, my password's not working or how's this yeah. all work? And so we onboard you. We, she is amazing customer service person. Now we have two people actually that help onboard people and bring them through. And, you know, it's a cancel anytime kind of a thing. It's a, and it's like you buy seats, basically licenses, the more you buy, the cheaper it is. So if you got a big company it actually gets cheaper per person. The good thing about it, it's tied to all the certification bodies. So NFI and CSIA, when you take any courses that have the CEUs, it automatically uploads. If you're already certified, it uploads to your program. You don't have to do anything about it. We're tied in with them automatically. So you have, you keep your CEUs up or gain CEUs. You can totally recertify online through this program. So, you know, you just basically do a demo, see if it works for you. They cancel anytime. Um, you can also not subscribe, but you can buy bundles of classes and oh, you okay. have like two months to take them. So there's no subscription. You buy the courses you want. You have so long to take them, get the CEUs and you're done. So we, we try to be easy to do business with and whatever works best for you. The, the subscription model gives you the most classes, hundreds of classes, like yeah. a Netflix subscription. And you can click in anytime you want. If you've got a rain day, a weather day, you got a guy sick, guy hurt, he could be training. So there's a lot of uh, flexibility with the online subscription model. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I, I've got a number of, of people that I work with that are subscribed to Surefire. And just the other day, I was talking to someone who's been on the fence and and we were talking with someone who was using it. And I was saying, yeah, so with Surefire, like you've got your own content that's, uh, that's uploaded in there, right? And this person who's on the fence was like, what, you can do that? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, all right, like I'm, I'm signing up today. You know, that was, that was what, that was what tipped it. But uh, yeah, Mark, I'm, I'm really thankful for just everything that you're doing for the industry. And uh, it's been, it's been just a joy to get to know you more and more. And it's been super fun to work with your, with your team too. It's, 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 it's awesome to get to know those guys and to get to see uh, what they're like putting into practice now when it comes to sales. Well, Tim, you're such a giver and you give us, you know, your wisdom and your time and your knowledge with your, with Wi-Fi and your training systems. And my guys are one really appreciate appreciative of it, but also your programs are changing their lives. They can see it. You know, you've seen it. We, my guys are like, wow, this is working. And I sold $66,000 worth of work last week. Or, you know, like they're getting these wins and they're because they're doing the processes, they're just not out there, you know, willy nilly. There's a process, and you've really helped us with that. So, uh, both of us, uh, again, what we really get benefit from is helping other people and yeah. enriching their lives. 
and that enriches our lives. And that's that's what we're here for, man. So we need more people that get on and, and help other people. And, and I yeah. think that's where the real benefit is. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, uh, it's funny, like when you said process, we talk about it with the sales process, but I think it's true with the training process as well. Um, Elizabeth King says the process saves us from the poverty of our intentions. And that's what you've built with your mm. training program is like, oh, I meant to train him. I forgot to do that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, like, that's why you it's need the, the process. Right? When somebody does something, you're like, where did you learn that? Like, well, I've never been shown how to do it. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. That happens. Everybody listening knows that's happened. You've sent a guy out and like, well, I've never done it before. Well, whose fault is that? It's not the guy's fault. It's you yeah. as the owner's fault because you let it slip through and then you expect him to do pull greatness out, you know? So yeah. we got a lot of weight on our shoulders. I think, you know, some kind of systems always help take weight off my shoulders. Yeah. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm excited for our next conversation together. Yeah, always, Tim. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Mark Stoner. There was so much good stuff there. And I'm just looking through my notes as I go through this here because, man, there, there's a lot that we covered in a short amount of time. And in particular, there's a few nuggets that I wrote down that I, I think are really, really important to think about. You know, number one, I, I didn't realize that Mark had operated his business by himself for 17 years, right? The only Mark Stoner I've seen is the one that you guys have seen, the guy that has the all the trucks and is operating at scale in multiple markets. But for his first 17 years, it was just him. That's a long time. And the way that he said, like, no one wanted to buy my job. Man, that that uh that's sobering. It it really is. And as I've looked around our industry, I think that honestly, many retailers are in this position where if they were trying to sell their business, it'd be very difficult to do because the person coming in wouldn't be buying a business. They'd be buying a job. And when everything relies on you and you haven't empowered other people to carry the load, the value of the business dies with you the second that you step out of it. And, you know, it's, it's fortunate that Mark realized that so, so long ago and that he made the, the changes that he did. As, as we shifted into training, I, I think that it's really important for us to realize that often in our businesses, we struggle because either A, we train the first couple people ourselves, maybe they don't work out, and so then we get jaded and we either don't hire more people or we outsource training. Because it's not worth our time. And in both cases, something really, really bad happens, right? When we outsource training, and, I, and I've seen this firsthand, like when I worked as a salesperson and even as a manager, I remember in one of the companies I used to work for, within my first two weeks being bounced around to like five different people for training, and everybody told me a different way to do it, and each one of them had a problem with the other person that was training me. And I was kind of like, left in the middle of the crosshairs being like, which, you know, political alliance do I stand with? Because like within the first week, I'm having to make some decisions on this. And, and that's what starts to happen when we don't have a training system. I, I love how Mark said, you need to go to the same source for the information. And this is so big. I mean, honestly, like when I was mapping out my, my sales training process for new team members, we had the same source of information. We had it documented. 
how we approach sales. We literally had like three to four pages written up on our sales philosophy. How do we treat customers? How do we manage our inbox? How did we view urgent tasks versus important tasks? And then that overflowed into our seven-step sales process. And as that was all documented, we could start to outsource parts of the training because we had this central source that all of the training was coming from, and we had checkpoints along the way to measure progress and make sure that people were being carried along. And yeah, as soon as Mark said that, I, I just wrote that down, like, go to the same source for the information. If, if, if you're someone that is, is just diving into investing in training and and you think that you bring a lot to the table I, I think you do and this is why you need to document whether it's written down or in audio or in video format you need to document yourself so that people can come back to the source for that training and that can be what sets the tone and you can set up systems and checklists to measure progress as other people start to help you train new hires as well this is something that I was thinking about too, as, as I asked Mark specifically how things worked in his company, he was talking about apprentices and my friend, Dave Rettinger, who's been on this podcast before I was talking to him in Pennsylvania a couple months ago, we were riding around together and Dave said something that was so interesting. He has an apprenticeship program in, in his company and, and I believe it can last up to two years to minimum of one year up to two. And basically when the apprenticeship program is completed, they move into a, a lead technician role of some kind. And I was asking Dave, well, okay, so like what happens if someone takes longer than two years to go through the program? And Dave just said, well, they, they don't work for us because we don't hire career apprentices. The purpose of being an apprentice is to move into becoming a technician. And we don't hire career apprentices, right? So you're either going to, you know, quit and go do something else, or we're going to move you forward and pay you more and give you more responsibility. But that idea that an apprenticeship program should lead you somewhere, right? And I know in his company, when you graduate the apprenticeship program, there's different routes you can take, whether it's the service route or the installation route. And there's even ways to jump into the CSR route and eventually become a manager. But that idea of your entry-level apprenticeships should always be geared to go somewhere. And it seems like that's what Mark has built out as he's put together this specific curriculum, you know, to get you through days 1 to 30 and then days 30 to 60. And then by the time you get to the end of the first year, you're in a position where you can take on a truck and start to earn more and have more responsibility as well. You know, it seems like a lot, but truly, as Mark said in our conversation, I mean, if you could just get away for one day, I guarantee you could map out everything you'd want in the apprenticeship program. And if you just think about installers that are coming into your company, write down on a list of paper, like the things that you'd want them to learn in the first month and then the things in the second month and the things in the third month. And then, you know, what's the merit badge system before you would feel comfortable with them installing a wood stove. Like you can document this and then you can use a system like Mark has with Surefire to, to put it together or, or you could create your own. But the hard work is sitting down to document it. That That's what many people are moving too fast to do. And I would just encourage you to take the time to build that out. I was just laughing. I, I wrote this down in my notes. Mark said, if they won't do my training, they won't do my paperwork. And Gosh, that, that is so good, right? Um, I know that it is hard to find good people, but good people are out there. I mean, go back and, and listen to the episode from last season where Matt Bradley talked about hiring and inspiring Gen Z. 
good people are out there, but good people want to be challenged. They want to be led and they want to know that they're going somewhere. And if you're not able to provide those things, then it's going to be really hard to hold on to good people. But I, I think that training, you know, it should be rigorous and it should be something that calls people to a higher standard and at the same time also inspires them to hit that standard. But yeah, I mean, if, if they won't do your training program, uh, yeah, they probably won't work out for you. And this is actually something I find a lot, like when companies switch over to using like a sales dashboard or a CRM for the first time and and, and, you know, many business owners live in fear of their salespeople. And they're like, well, I could never get my salespeople to document every call that they make and every customer they have in a, in a dashboard. And my thing is like, well, I want to be sensitive to your people. But man, like, if they won't do this, I don't think that they're that good of salespeople. And if, if they're not willing to do things that clearly will help their sales, then you know, I think that, I think that there's something wrong. It's like, yeah, if you won't do my training, then you're definitely not going to do my paperwork. As, as we rounded out, Mark had that question, are you willing to do something about it? And I think that that's, that's the question for all of us. I mean, I ask myself this question a lot and part of my journey over the last couple of years has been really limiting my inputs so that I can take action on the things that are in front of me. And what I found a while ago is I, I was looking at my phone and I found like I was subscribed to, I don't know how many it was, maybe like 40 podcasts. It was literally more than I could ever listen to. And I, I just made the concerted effort to unsubscribe to about three quarters of them. And, uh, you know, to this day, like I'll still go back and cherry pick episodes and check them from time to time. But what I had to realize is like, I only have so much time in the day. So I'm going to pick the very best podcasts and that's what I'm going to stick with because I can only take in so much information and then I got to do something about it. And when the information just continues to roll in, it can almost desensitize us from taking action because we think, well, if I just had that one little nugget, then I could do it. If I just had this one little nugget, then I could do it. I just need that extra piece of information. And, and I am, dude, I'm all for information. I'm all for podcasts and business books. Like I believe in all of that stuff. And at the same time, I believe in limiting your inputs so that you can take action so that you don't get to the point where you're desensitized and, and don't do anything about it. So I think that that was a really, really good question that, that Mark left us all with. Well, hey, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash it's fire time. And, you know, we say this most weeks, but we are so thankful to those of you that, that contribute to the show. We, we operate on a shoestring budget, and I mean a shoestring budget, to try to make sure that we can deliver content that's high quality and edited well and, and that it sounds good and, and continues to give you value. So thank you to those of you who support this. And for those of you who are not able to or, or don't want to, that's totally fine. Like, we're so glad that you're here. And just the fact that you're listening and sharing this and, and taking it to heart man, that's amazing. Cause the movement's growing. Like I, I see it. The movement is growing and that's, and that's really neat. Well, Hey, as you go out this week, I, I know that you are in the thick of it right now, but I'm going to leave you with this question that Mark asked. You just heard a whole podcast about investing in training, about sharing the load, about building a business that's bigger than yourself. 
And of course, like Mark said, you listen to it and you know it's right. You know it's right. But here's the question. Are you willing to do something about it? That's all I got for today. Hope you guys have a great week and I'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Fire Time Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Fire Time Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All in to buy.